Coincidence or providence? Do things in life just happen by chance? Is it a coincidence that your mother met your father, that you were born, that you came to live in Bagara or Bundaberg, or that you ended up as part of this community at Bagara Presbyterian, that you came here today? Was it all just coincidence? What about providence? Are the events of life part of a bigger reality? A reality in which the sovereign, all-powerful God of the Bible upholds everything as part of his great purposes. Is there more to life than what we can see, touch and feel? Could it be no coincidence at all that you are here today? A Puritan writer once wrote, God's providence can only be understood backwards. That is, when we look back on the events of life, we can see God's hand at work. When you look back, you see how God was working out his wise and good purposes, that there was more going on than what we could see at the time. Do you know this to be true in your own life? Could God's providence be why you're here today? And could God's providence inform how we interact as his people? Our passage today from Ruth chapter 2 is a picture of God's providence. Whereas in chapter 1 we looked at the events over some 10 years, in chapter 2 we zoom into the events of a single day. Seemingly a simple story, a foreigner named Ruth, widowed and living with her widowed mother-in-law, goes looking for food in a field, and the owner of the field, Boaz, goes out of his way to look after her. There you go, story summed up, two sentences. Thanks, Sam. All right. There's very clearly more going on here in chapter 2, and indeed throughout the whole book of Ruth. And we see God's hand of providence in these pages. For our structure today, we'll follow along with the narrative, observing our three main characters, looking particularly at how God's providence affects the way they interact. And through this story, we will come to know more of God's plan for his people. We'll come to understand more of how we fit into that plan, how God works through his people, for his people, and ultimately for his glorious purpose. We come to understand more of God's providence. Chapter 1 ends with Naomi and Ruth arriving back in Bethlehem as the barley harvest begins. It's an important time in the calendar. It's a time when the people would celebrate the Lord's provision, particularly after the recent famine they'd just had. The scene set, verse 1 starts with some necessary background information. Naomi, who we met in chapter 1, has a relative named Boaz. Boaz is related to Elimelech, her dead husband. And we read that Boaz is a man of standing, He's a landowner and well-respected in his community. Ruth, who we also met in chapter 1, was a Moabitess woman who had married one of Naomi's sons before he too died. Together with her mother-in-law, these two widows had immigrated with nothing. Ruth was especially an outsider in this land, a widow, a foreigner and a Moabite at that a despised people that were often in conflict with the Israelites. 
are people God had told them to avoid. So already we've met our three main characters, Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi. These were desperate times for the two women. Their very survival was at stake. In verse 2, Ruth takes the initiative. She plans to go and pick field in a left, uh, leftover grain in the harvest fields. And verse 3, so she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Now, gleaning is not a term that we are familiar with. Uh, it's likely the world's first welfare system. It's essentially a sanctioned scavenging plan, allowing gleaning was mandated by God in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. In Leviticus 23, verse 22, we read, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings from your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. So gleaning was instituted by God himself, was a form of social welfare, so that the very poorest, the marginalised, would have something to eat. The command ends with, for I am the Lord your God. This was God's plan, showing his character, the God of the Bible who cares for those in need. So Ruth understood this cultural practice of gleaning and went out into a field to pick up the leftover grain. Continuing verse 3, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. As it turned out. Coincidence? Or providence? Ruth goes out into a random field and it just happens to belong to a close family relative. And as we read the nar narrative, we begin to get a sense that this is a significant moment for Ruth, Boaz and Naomi. Just then Boaz returns, the owner of the field, the big boss if you like, and we see he warmly greets his staff. There's mutual respect, and it seems a healthy, God-honouring community. Boaz asks about Ruth, and her story is known to them. She is the Moabite who came back with Naomi. She asked to glean and has been working hard in the field ever since. So Boaz goes to seek her out, and with a very warm welcome and an invitation to stay. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Reading on, we see Boaz had instructed the men not to lay a hand on her. And remember, this was the time of the judges, uh, when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Ruth was in danger. As a woman, a foreigner with no standing in society, she could sadly be abused. And when you're thirsty, Ruth, Drink from the jars my men have filled. For Ruth, in a dangerous and desperate situation, Boaz was offering safety. A safe place to collect food and water among safe people. This is more than she could have hoped for when she went out looking for food that morning. Boaz was going above and beyond providing far more than what the law required. He was saying, my daughter, stay here in safety and be treated like one of my own. 
In verse 10, we see Ruth's response. And what a response. Look with me. She bowed down with her face to the ground, asking, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? We live in an entitled time, the contemporary mindset that we are owed something, that we deserve so much in life. This is a mindset that gets us into trouble when tragedy strikes. When things get hard, we ask, why is this bad thing happening to me? This shouldn't be happening. I deserve better than this. Ruth says the opposite. I bring nothing. I deserve nothing. Why would you show me mercy? Not entitled, but humble and amazed at the mercy that she receives. Boaz now answers the obvious question in verse 11. I've been told all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. If you were not here last week, Naomi the widow on the way back to Judah told her two widowed daughters-in-law, go back. If you come back with me, you'll have nothing. A dangerous life of poverty as foreigners, and even more Moabite foreigners. If you come back with me, you will be despised outsiders. The idea of staying with family and the prospects of a better life was good enough for one of the daughters-in-law, but not for Ruth. No, Ruth had encountered the God of the Bible. She was forever changed. She could not return back to her own people and worship idols. Ruth famously answered Naomi back in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. What Ruth did was no small thing. And the things that Boaz noticed, her care for Naomi, her decision to leave everything that she knew, not in the hope of a better life, but a harder one, were all evidence of her submitting to the God of the Bible. Your God will be my God, even to death. Watch closely as Boaz continues in verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is the key reason that Ruth was looking after Naomi and the key reason why Boaz was going above and beyond to care for Ruth. Not because she somehow earned it, but because she was seeking refuge in God. We see here the bigger theme sitting in plain sight behind the narrative. Sure, at a surface level, Ruth was seeking refuge to collect grain in a stranger's field. Yeah. But in a deeper sense, she was seeking refuge in the Lord God Almighty. On the surface, Boaz was providing refuge for a foreigner, yes. But in a deeper sense, we have God providing refuge to Ruth 
through Boaz. A bigger spiritual reality behind the day-to-day events. God at work for his people, for his purposes, providence. The warm welcome Boaz provides makes sense in the context of the warm welcome available from God. And that is why we, as a community, warmly welcome others. The invitation is for all to come and meet the God of the Bible, to seek refuge in Jesus, in humility, coming to the God who cares, the God who saves. It means taking off our own self-made crowns and submitting to the rule of Jesus in our lives. It means turning from living our own way and accepting a new authority. Not trying to do it ourselves, but taking refuge in the one who is willing and able to help in our time of need. If that's something that you're considering, maybe for the first time, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. For those whose trust is in Jesus, as the hard and difficult circumstances of life continue to come, he is the place that we seek refuge. He is our protection. He is where we run when things get hard. He is the safety and provision that we seek in the difficulty of life. He is the source of awe and wonder that I, a sinner, would receive his mercy. He is our rescuer, and we bow down in reverence to him. He is our hope, as we look forward to an eternity with him. He is, his refuge is bigger than this life, bigger than our struggles here and now. As his people, we begin by seeking refuge in him. And we go on by seeking refuge in him too. We don't move past it. We go on like Ruth, in awe, in humility, and in dependence. As his people, we continue to welcome others in, like Boaz, going above and beyond to reflect God's warm welcome into his family. As our narrative continues from verse 13, the warm welcome is a comfort to Ruth, an outcast seeking refuge, being treated like an equal. There's a slide coming up in the moment. Uh, We don't don't really know what it's like to be an outsider like Ruth. Uh, Perhaps this is as close as it gets for us. Uh, A lone maroon supporter and a sea of blues fans. Uh, Sometimes it can feel a bit like that around here. There are a lot of blues supporters here, I've got to say. But our author, again, repeats this idea that Ruth is a foreigner. Even worse, a Moabite. She was in real danger in a hostile world. And we cannot understand the stress that she would have been experiencing, much more than a game of footy. And as we read here of the comfort that she feels as she's welcomed by Boaz... What she's being saved from just adds real weight to this welcome story. At the mealtime, Boaz enjoys her to enjoy the food, uh, the, the food prepared for himself and his harvesters. She ate all that she wanted and had leftover. 
She had more than she could want. As she went back to gleaning, Boaz instructed his harvesters to leave behind harvested stalks for her to collect. She gleaned all day, then beat out the seeds that evening and took home a massive amount of grain, along with the leftover food for Naomi. With the very significant provision from the day's work, Naomi now asks the obvious question. Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth answers, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. In verse 20, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not shown, stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Verse 20, this is another important verse. Uh, though the NIV is not completely clear here, the he in verse 20 is God. Naomi cries out in joy as God has shown kindness to the living in Ruth and Naomi, but also Elimelech, her dead husband, his sons and the broken family line. God is sovereign, he's in control, and he's working all things according to his plan. Providence. Remember back to last week, chapter 1, verse 20, we have Naomi crying out in bitterness, feeling afflicted by God. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. But what a difference one day can make. One day of Ruth gleaning, and Naomi is rejoicing before despondent and hopeless, and now looking back on all that God has done and continues to do. Seeing more of God's good plan and rejoicing in thankfulness. By way of explaining why she's so joyful, Naomi goes on. That man is a close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. We've already alluded that him being a relative is important. Uh, this idea of a guardian redeemer is unfamiliar to us today, but it has great significance to this story. So not only did God institute the first welfare system and gleaning so that the poor and needy could have access to food, he also instituted a way that if a family line lost its land, which was really important to the Israelites, through the sort of tragedy that Elimelech's family had, then the land could be redeemed or bought back, but only by a close family member. Boaz could fulfil that role. There is no coincidence in God's plan. It was no coincidence that these women were in such a desperate situation. No coincidence that Ruth had found herself in Boaz's field that day. It was no coincidence that Boaz was a close relative, well-off, godly, and welcoming. As Naomi celebrates here in verse 20, we see this was all part of God's kindness. And we're given our first insight into where this redemption story is headed. Ruth is welcomed by God's grace and mercy in God's providence. Do you know this to be true in your own life? Can you look back and see God's hand at work? 
Can you see his hand of mercy, protection, security, and kindness? Even through the hard stuff. Even through the dangerous and desperate. God's providence can only be understood backwards. We have a God who cares. A God who is for us and not against us. We, like Naomi, can get discouraged at times, feeling bitter, empty, or afflicted. But as we look back, we see God's providence more clearly. How he has worked through those around us for his good purpose. We can see how he has welcomed us into his family for an eternity with him. Welcomed us for his glory. It's worth reflecting on a bit, I reckon. What a difference a day can make. Having zoomed into the events of a single day, chapter 2 concludes with Ruth continuing on in God's refuge. She stays in the safety of Boaz's fields, the provision of food, and outside are warmly welcomed as part of God's great redemptive plan for his people that we'll hear more about in the next two chapters of Ruth. The repetition of Ruth the Moabite reminds us again and again that Ruth is a foreigner and a Moabite foreigner at that. Verse 22, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman, women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. As redemption stories go, Ruth is a great book of the Bible. But there is no greater redemption story than that of Jesus. God himself taking the punishment that we deserved to pay the penalty for sin once and for all. That whoever would seek refuge in him Whoever would submit to him as Lord and Saviour would be saved with a future hope sure and certain in him. So we, as a community, welcome the stranger, the foreigner, the sick, the poor, the hard to love, indeed anyone who God brings into our path. It's our redemption through Jesus that transforms us as his people our welcome into his family that motivates us to welcome in others, our sure and certain hope of his unfailing kindness that emboldens us to want that for our neighbour, our friend, our family member. We were all foreigners with our sins separating us from God. But Christ's welcome, protection and provision changes everything. We welcome others in because he first welcomed us in. And in doing so, God himself works through us. We joyously find ourselves a part of God's redemptive plan for his people. A part of his providence for this world. How about we pray in response?
Lord God, as we sit with this passage, as we sit with the experiences and examples of our three main characters, Ruth, Boaz, and Naomi, as we sit with your providence throughout all of history, help us, like Ruth, continue on in the refuge that you have provided in Christ. Humble, grateful, attuned to your provision and leading. Help us to continue on in the same way that we started, seeking refuge in awe, humility and dependence. Help us, like Boaz, respond to others with the same warm welcome that we have received in you. Help us to go above and beyond what is required to welcome others in, to know the hope that we have in you, our Lord and Saviour. Help us, like Naomi, acknowledge you, the Sovereign Lord, who works all things for your good purpose. Lord, for those of us who at times feel afflicted and bitter, help us to see your kindness shown to us in Jesus. Lord, would we praise you as we look back and see your redemptive plan, your providence at work, for your glory. In your great name we pray. Amen.